Welcome to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. Each Saturday morning at 8.30, listen in to successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts, Rick Durkee, Eric Cox, and Leslie Haywood. And great morning, low country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business. Hopefully you just uh, finished up listening to a great show with John Kuhn on Talking Law and uh, get to keep the dial tuned to us. And thank you for joining us every Saturday morning here at 830. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox, with the exceptional, you like that? Exceptional, you don't know which one I'm going to say, Leslie Haywood <laughs> and the very stoic Rick Durkee. Stoic. <laughs> Last week, what was I? I was, I was just, I'm call me incredible always, okay? I know. I love it. I love it. new adjectives. Every you got to stick around just to see what Eric's going to call us. Um, but I'm Leslie Haywood. Thank you so much for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And to continue the fun beyond Saturday mornings, make sure and like our Facebook page, Beyond the Business, or talk to us on Twitter at BTBCHS, which stands for Beyond the Business Charleston, using hashtag BTBCHS. And I cannot wait to continue our conversation with Clara Gonzalez, owner, co-owner of Tiger Lily along with her husband, Manny. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me, Leslie. Yes. And what a great Saturday this is in Charleston. Yeah. Anybody, anybody? It's the Charleston Wine and Food Festival this weekend. Oh my gosh, we're getting ready. So hopefully everybody has their tickets to go out to the Culinary Village either today or tomorrow because it's going to be absolutely packed, but a wonderful event here in Charleston. Yeah, and we're going to do an event or two ourselves, aren't we, Eric? And then I also have my sister Elena in town from Hickory, so great day. We're going to be out at the uh, Culinary Village actually tomorrow. I think Leslie will be joining us as well. And so we're excited to be out there enjoying the finest of low country food and, of course, a little bit of vino. Oh, you count me in? I'm there. I'm there. Well, awesome. Clara, I cannot wait to start to talk about the business. So last week we talked about your upbringing and um, what an interesting story that you you are, you know, first and second generation of immigrants from Hungary and Mexico, your parents and Manny's parents and uh, just the, the hardworking um, the work ethic of your parents is just amazing and how you guys would uh, go to work with them and you just learn to be professional and customer service oriented. And so here you are being faced with this opportunity in your early 20s. You're married, you're in Charleston, and there is this little florist on King Street. So uh, let's pick up where we left off. So really, what happened? You see an ad in the paper? Pretty much. Pretty much. We there was a, we were looking for something to, to kind of dive into together, and there was a little ad in the paper of a flower shop for sale, and it was on King Street, 335 King Street. And as everybody knows, when you're talking about a business, it's location, location, location. And we're on the corner of, um, it was, uh, well, it was right by Calhoun and Calhoun and Kang, between George, right by George Street. So the college was right there. And we thought it was, you know, a cute little flower shop. And again, how hard can it possibly be to run a flower shop, which we've learned along the way. It's much harder than probably, anybody thinks. Probably challenging it's, when you had loud kids like me walking down King Street at college there at that time. Yeah, yeah all really hours of the day and night. I was actually there, I think, the about that The delivery drivers yeah. were, yes, yes. Oh, I know. We're a little after my time, maybe. Yeah. No, I mean, like, <laughs> our, 96, yeah, when we bought yeah, it. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, a little after my time there. But anyway, so. I, I love the fact last week you brought out the first couple of years because yeah. the entrepreneur spirit is what we love to talk about on this show. And that it's, yes, we all love the, the freedoms of entrepreneurship and the joys of entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. the success certainly you guys have had. 
But it's not always peaches and cream along the way. And you right. talked about the first couple of years being really challenging. Remind our listeners what it's like in that first couple of years as an entrepreneur. Yeah, first couple first couple of years, you know, we were excited, definitely, uh, definitely excited to, to go into work every day. And, um, you know, we followed the rule, we followed the rule book um, of how to run a profitable flower shop. And it wasn't really working for us. You know, we really had to take into consideration the... Um, Charleston and the market that we're in and Charleston really appreciates flowers and they appreciate nice flowers. And so when we decided to kind of throw out our rule book, I sat down and I made a list of the flowers that I like and I decided, okay, this is what we're going to sell. So we went from, we scratched off all the carnations and daisies and Alstroemeria and the status and things like that, that you could find very easily in a grocery store. And and at the time, too, you have to remember, like Sam's Club and Costco, they are all started carrying flowers as well. So our competition was grocery stores and Costco. And I can't compete with that pricing. You know, I can't. There's just no way. They don't really have to make a profit at all. They're just carrying it just as a service to their customers. But I have to make a profit. I, I have to pay my employees and, you know, my rent and all that kind of stuff. So we decided that, you know, we weren't going to compete with that anymore. And we were going to start carrying the types of flowers that we thought um, a higher-end clientele would want. Um, and it turned out to be lilies and roses and daisy or Gerber daisies and orchids and... Um, Lysianthus and just all kinds of different flowers that people enjoyed seeing. Um, and then just making decisions like uh, not doing, not paying, I think it was $500 a month that we had to pay for our Yellow Pages ad. And back then, I mean, that's a lot of money right now, too. But, you know, so those were decisions that we had to make along the way to stop doing Um and Rick, I know you're a big orchid fan, so you probably have a follow-up question here. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. I don't grow them, so I just arrange them. Uh, actually, wife does have a nice orchid that she's regenerated the second year this year That's and amazing. bloomed very nicely. So um, anyway, uh, Clara, I did want to go back to, because I remember you mentioned this in the first show, throwing out the book, okay? Yeah. And we talked about book smarts to street smarts and some of the decisions that you made that helped your business then get to that next level. Mm -hmm. But what I really want to go back to is here, the mistakes that were made by using the book. Let's share some of those experiences so mm -hmm. our listener could maybe learn from those. Any key mistakes that you think you made early on with the book? Well, I think some of the key mistakes were probably, um, they're industry specific. So um, wire services uh, are a big thing. FTD, Teleflora, we're all familiar with those. And we work with Teleflora closely um, as far as their technology goes. Our website is a Teleflora-based website, um, and um, our POS system is as well. But back then, the only way for someone to send, send flowers really across the country is to go through a wire service. And the wire services had a lot of fees that were attached to um, their orders. And if you got X dollar amount for the order, they kind of kept a little bit of that and the sending florist and all that. So we would get, we were, when we bought the shop, they were a part of five wire services, five different ones. And I would get these statements and I would reconcile the statements at the end of the month. And I, and I would tell Manny, I was like, I just, I don't see how we're making any money on this. I mean, mm -hmm. our profit margin is, is, is small anyways. Generally flower shops will run at about a 10% profit margin. It's kind of a little bit like restaurants. 
And we were giving that away for all these orders. And you were just trying to do business development. It was just a right. marketing channel for you to get more business in. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So you did but the it was ROI the, on it and you saw it was not it was giving the wrong us a kind return. of business. And so <laughs> I remember we remember telling another florist that we were thinking of dropping our wire services and they're like, you're not going to make it. You're going to go out of business in six months. There's no way you can make it without having wire services, wire service orders come in from across the country. And we were like, this is what's going to kill us. And so we dropped it and it was, it was a game changer for us. It really, really was. Um, and to this day, we, um, we have Teleflores, one of our wire services, but we have a very high minimum um, for orders that we accept. So at what, um, how many years in it were, was this revelation on how you, you pretty much changed your business model, it we sounds did. like. We did. And how many years in was that? That was within the first two years. Within the first yeah. two years. So yeah. good. You, you, yeah. you saw that something wasn't working. Because we knew we weren't going to continue to make it. We weren't going to be able to pay our bills. And at that point, we already had our first child. Because it was my brilliant idea, if this was going to be a family business, that we had already been married for four years. We need to start having babies <laughs> because this is a family business, right? Yeah. So we already had a child um, and another one on the way at that point. So, mm-hmm. And we'll want to talk more about that family business opportunity here at the end of the show today. Mm-hmm. But um, So let's go back now. So we made a very critical decision two years into the business. And mm-hmm. most small businesses are going to fail in that first five years. So mm-hmm. it was really proper timing on your part to evaluate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the result, by the way, of all this tough times and decision-making is this success that you guys have experienced. So there's a long list of awards that you guys have garnered. The, I think you've been voted best Florence and Charleston for 17 consecutive years. We That's have, pretty impressive. Paper, yeah. uh, 2004 Small Business of the Year, South Carolina Small Business Person of the Year, uh, second place in 2005 for that, America's Best Wedding Flower Designers, you guys, it's on and on and on the success that you all have had. And obviously, um, if you look at your success, and I think this is a lot like uh, some of our other entrepreneurs we've had on this show, Leslie, um, as Charleston has grown and changed in its ways, become a destinations and weddings, so has several businesses garnered the success from that. So talk about mm-hmm. sort of the relationship between the community of Charleston and your all's business specifically. Well, there's a couple layers to that. So in the beginning, uh, weddings was really what was taking off um, for for us. We were one of the only florists, actually, that wanted to do weddings. A lot of the other retail florists couldn't be bothered with weddings because, um, you know, brides sometimes have a reputation for being high maintenance along with the mother of the bride and whatnot. But um, for us... I I very easily met with my brides and I loved my brides and I never really had a hard time with them at all. And so we were very receptive and we just decided that was a business that we were going to go after and we were going to set aside the time to do that. I'm going to take credit for that because I was one of your first clients in 96. So I made it easy on them. They're like, ooh, if all brides are as awesome as her. We're going to have Jason on next week, by the way, to vouch for that, Leslie. And so for... For the first 10, 12 years, I ran the wedding department, and that that was, you know, it was amazing, but it was a lot of really, really hard work. And we had two babies at home. Our kids were 13 months apart, and we would work half days. So our schedule for the week was basically um, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We would each do a half day. So Manny would go in in the morning at 8, 
I would stay at home with the kids. I'd come down with the kids in the backseat of the car at noon. We'd swap. I'd, he'd go home with the kids, and I'd stay. Tuesday, I'd be off, and he'd be at work all day. Wednesday, we'd do the half day again. Thursday, he was off. Friday, we'd do the half day. And then Saturday, we were able to get a babysitter so we could all do weddings and set up weddings. Um, and so it was it was a kind of a crazy schedule. Um, we gosh, didn't, looking we back, wanted, are you like, oh, my gosh, I don't how know did how we I do did. it? Yeah, right. I do look back at that. We didn't want to put the kids in daycare, you know, all day when they were little because we figured this is a family-run business, so we should be able to make this work. And we did for a really long time. And it meant me going home at nighttime and doing all my proposals and my cost-outs for brides after I put the kids to bed till about midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning, you know, up on my little computer and um, Saturdays were, you know, crazy setup days and a lot of labor and, you know, a lot of work. And Sunday was the day of rest, you know, so that was good. Right. <laughs> but you got was, one day. Yeah. But it was a lot of hard work. But it was it was uh, our wedding business was incredible um, at the time. And then things started to change. Um, so weddings became really, really big in Charleston. And like I have mentioned before, one of the top wedding destinations. And so. We had a lot more competition for um, wedding designers that popped up um, everywhere. And what was struggling in the industry was the regular retail florist. Um, They were um, closing up shop, especially once the recession hit. Um, Probably about a third of the florists across the country closed up. So you're finding you had to change again. And so now we had all this competition in the wedding in in the wedding market, but little less and less competition in the regular retail florists, the nine to five, you know, kind of deliveries. And so we decided, you know, well, let's we need to shift, kind of do a little bit of a shift here. Um, And it was also at the point then that, you know, I decided that um, the me being in charge of all the weddings was really interfering with the raising of the kids and their activities and their, their weekend sports and stuff like that. So I had to kind of pull myself away from weddings and, you know, um, become a a mom, a soccer mom for a little while, you know, and that was a big, that was a big decision for me to let go of my wedding department and let somebody else in and run that. So you had to not only scale your um, business, but also change your focus exactly. and, and move with the times. So yeah. I have to ask this question. Was that, did that give you an opportunity to leverage that time spent with your children um, actually in business also? Through contacts, being a soccer mom and things like that? Or? Um, it, it did to some degree, but we were really big on, um, so our kids actually really didn't spend a lot of time like in the flower shop with us and things like that. We really wanted to kind of keep that a little bit separate. Um, and you also have to think, um, flower shop is, um, a fun place to run around. We have hoses hanging from the ceiling. And so when you have a three and a four year old in there, you know, that's the first thing they go to and they're like sticking a little sister in the cooler and all that, you know, and there's (laughs) scissors and knives and glass everywhere. So it was not a place that we really let our kids like kind of go wild. It was like, stay in your car seat. Dad's going to be here in a minute and it's going to take you back home. Sounds like a place I need to bring little Jake down to later today. He would love that. By the way, in case you just joined us, you are listening uh, to the voice of Clara Gonzalez and her and her husband, Manny, have been the longtime owners of Tiger Lily Florist, which is uh, downtown Charleston and one of the most successful retail florists in the country. And don't, by the way, just take my word for that. In 2006, they were actually voted runner up for retail florist in America. So we have proof to back that up. Um, Let's talk about... um, that, that, that concept of the recession, because it yes. hit all businesses 
tough. You guys, uh, I think we're on double digit, 20% plus growth every year for a decade. And then 2008 comes. And obviously in your world, you mentioned changed everything. So as an entrepreneur, very successful, how did you guys weather the storm and what um, decisions did you have to make through that time that allowed you to come out successful at the other end? Well, it was interesting for us because the recession really, everybody talks about um, uh, 08 is kind of when the recession kind of came. But again, since our our business was heavy into weddings, um, people were spending a lot of money on wedding flowers at the time because money was no object before the recession. So in 09 actually was a really, really great year for us because there were very few daddies who wanted to take their little daughter's wedding away from, from them. And so, so 09 was great. But once that November hit in 09, everything just fell. And 40% of our business just fell away um, over the next year. And, you know, while we thought we were reacting quickly, you know, we're small business owners, we, we can react to staffing and, um, you know, ordering and things like that. Um, then we didn't, we didn't, and we didn't, we're to the point where, you know, we would have to take out a, a home equity loan, you know, just to pay the mortgage um, and to, you know, pay rent and all that kind of stuff. So it it was difficult. We had our back against uh, backs against the wall and we had a summer vacation up in Lake Jocassee um, with uh, with our with a, another family. And it was a miserable vacation. It was really miserable. And we were reading books, you know, we were trying to read books to help us out and whatnot. And there was one book that I brought with on that trip, and it's called Profits Aren't Everything, They're the Only Thing. And I read that book, um, Hold Up in the Little Bedroom, and it took me about three hours to read the book. And I literally came out and I walked down to the dock and I took that book and I said, Manny, you have to read this. And it was a game changer for us. I mean... It said everything that we knew in the back of our minds, but for some reason we needed someone to kind of like, you know, kind of like shake us and just say, don't blame the economy. You know, this is on you. Recession or no recession, if your business is failing, it's your fault. Wow. And and tough lot it was because Mm -hmm. there was nobody else that could make those decisions and put those systems into place but us. And so that's really... Um, the practical business principles in that book um, were three. It was maintaining tight controls, paying for performance. So we basically went in and we changed the way that our staff was paid and also just focusing on sales all the time. And a number of things came from that. Our staff on a daily basis now knows what our sales goal is for the day. They know what it is for the week. So at our morning meetings, we can say we hit our sales numbers and that's important for everybody because if we don't hit our sales numbers, then how are you going to get your paycheck at the end of the week? And how am I going to pay for the flowers that we pre-ordered already that's sitting in the cooler? So there's a number of trickle-down effects that um, that happen with that. So your employees actually have ownership in the results. They do. They do. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 They have production bonuses based on how much either they can produce or they have an incentive for for for, for their sales. So well. when did you see things start to turn around and when could you breathe again? So this was, you said November of 09 is so when this everything was November dried up. November of 09, I think we, I think I read the book in the summer of 2010 
And I think it took us about two years. Two years to really. Two years. And these are the same yeah. practices that you use today? Yes. Oh, yeah, every day. And we actually, we've, we speak at conferences across the country through the Society of American Florists, kind of um, this, this incentive program that we have, um, trying to explain to people how much more productive people are and how they want to work hard. And if you incentivize them, it's amazing what they can produce. And they they get excited about themselves. They're like, I never thought I could do that, you know, and you teach them some skills, some sales skills, um, and they're proud and they're excited and they go home at the end of the day and they're like, we rocked it today. That was an awesome day. And what a great story. And the reason why this show is called Beyond the Business right there, Claire. Thank you for sharing that and those insights because there are so many people, I think, who are in this community that have gone through it, are going through it, or will be going through it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. To, to know that there's others who've been through it before and you can make it through it if you just focus on the right things. Yeah. So uh, what a blessing that you shared that with us today. Thank you. Absolutely. So uh, in addition to, obviously, the success that you guys have had, I know yourself and Manny are both very active in the community. Uh, you all uh, serve on boards. Uh, I think if I read uh, somewhere, you are on the foundation board at Trident Tech. Yes. yes. Um, you have served on committees. You've done a lot of philanthropy in the community. Mm-hmm. Talk about why it's so important for you guys as owners of a business to also be so involved in giving back to the community. Well, and that's just a natural thing for us. And I think Charleston is just such a giving community. And there's just so many, so many events and so many opportunities to give back that um, – being one of the largest florists in town, there's there's just no way that we can't kind of be a part of that. And one of the newer um, programs that we have in place is called Charity in Bloom. So so let me backtrack a little bit. So for a number of years, um, one of the ways that we would give back to the community is we would be a floral sponsor for a large charity event. Um, and so if they had their black tie galas, we would be the flower sponsor and we'd do the 50 centerpieces on the tables and our name would be on the Jumbotron. And okay, that's great. But we kind of felt that we weren't really necessarily touching all those people that were there. Like they appreciated the flowers on the table, I'm sure. But, you know, did they really know that it came from Tiger Lily and did it really mean something? And so the Society of American Florists um, came up with a um, a program about two years ago that they started and it's called Pedal It Forward. And it's in October. And the idea is for um, us to give away two bouquets to one person and that one person keeps one bouquet but gives the other one to somebody else. It could be a complete stranger. It could be your, your mother, your aunt, your neighbor, your, you know, the, the, the postal service. Just like pay it forward. Pay it forward, right. Mm-hmm. It's called mm-hmm. pedal it forward. Mm-hmm. And so for the last two years in October, we've been a part of this. And the response that we've gotten, and just by seeing the look on people's faces, when you give them a simple bouquet. And again, you know, we, we deliver flowers all day long. Um, but for people just to receive free flowers unexpectedly, it's not their birthday, it's not their anniversary, people were so touched by it, and it created such an incredible buzz in the community, and it made us feel so good that we've done it, um, this is going to be our third year, and we're also going to do it for um, for Women's Day, which is um, March 8th. We're going to do um, a pedal it forward concept for Women's Day. For Women's Day, though, we are going to take um, we're going to accept donations and all that money is going to go to Thrive, um, um, an organization that helps um, um, women who are in situations that they need to get out of. Basically, well, while so, we're here, where can yeah. they where can people reach you to donate? Well, um, they need to go to our website. So Thrive is going to be our charity in bloom um, 
charity for the month. And our Charity in Bloom program basically is where we select one arrangement for the month and however the 20% of the proceeds from that arrangement will go to that charity. And so if you go to our website and um, go to our Charity in Bloom link, you can get information about that. So, But it's it's just about touching people, giving flowers, and the emotion that that people who've never gotten flowers before, you know, in their lives unexpectedly. Um, it's just been such a, a feel-good for the community and for us as well. So if they, if these people that you're talking about, Clara, had expressed this before, maybe it would have happened. But it was an unexpressed wish. Mm-hmm. It was something that they always hoped somebody would give them flowers, mm-hmm. and you gave them those mm-hmm. flowers, and they didn't even ask. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a great program. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been really um, it's been fun for us. Mm-hmm. Now you've got so many accolades. I, I love to hear people's perspective. What is your one moment, or can you think of a moment that was like, okay, wow, we've made it? I mean, the the list goes on and on about how wonderful you've done. But have you ever really felt like? I think we've got two moments. So I think the moment when we won Small Business of the Year in 2004, that was a big right, moment big for moment. us. Um, I don't think that we, at that point, because we were so in, entrenched in our... I mean, we, we barely made it on time to the gala for the for the announcement for that because we were working and we were trying to get ready. And, you know, and then the, the next morning we had a big wedding and it was just kind of like this whirlwind. Um, so that, I think, is definitely the first one. But two years ago, the Society of American Florists asked me to be a part of... Um, a TED Talk that they had at their conference. And it's a conference of about four to 500 florists from across the country, and they gather annually, and they asked me to be a part of it. And they, the TED Talks, the title was How I Did It. And they said, pick a topic, you know, related to your business and your life, um, and just talk about it. And so I thought about it, and I decided that I was going to talk about my ego, And I went out in front of 400 people, and my topic was basically how I was able to let go of my wedding department and pass it on to a very experienced designer because my daughter, who was an equestrian, had to start going to horse shows with another mom because I had weddings on the weekend and I couldn't take her. And I had to make a decision to let somebody else in and do the weddings who was perfectly capable and had been waiting for years to step into my shoes, but I wouldn't let go. I wouldn't let go. It was, it was in my mind, it was very, very important to me to have very tight control over that. But here is my little girl who, you know, was like 12 years old going to horse shows with another mom because I had weddings to do. And I thought, wait a minute, where did this go so wrong? You know, and I, th- I think being able to tell that story in front of 400 people whom a lot of could relate to because most florists are all small businesses and every one of them could relate to missing a soccer game or whatnot because they felt they had to make the delivery to the church or whatnot, you know, and all of a sudden it was like, I'm missing out, you know, and it's not fair. And and my kids are great. They're, they're wonderful kids. They 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 know how hard we worked, you know, and there was never a point in time that my daughter was going to say geez, mom, I can't believe you didn't come to this show, but I felt it, you know, and that, that was, that was a big moment for me to be able to go up there and and tell that story. So, Mm -hmm. and it was funny because when I was preparing for it, I found a list um, on selfgrowth.com and it's called the top 10 signs that your ego is running your business. 
and I read all 10. I read, I, I read through the 10 and I thought, okay, Manny, you have five of them and I have the other five. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. And so that actually, that moment kind of helped us regroup as well. Kind of helped us regroup and said, okay, we need to start letting these people who are qualified and just want to get the opportunity to go and succeed in our business, you know, for us and for themselves as well. Wow, what a great story, Clara. And and I wish we could go on another show. We might have to have her back next week. But, uh, <laughs> I know, there's still so much because to cover. Good stuff's really coming out now. But, uh, Clara, we've got to call it a week and uh, another show for Beyond the Business. We thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And uh, maybe we can continue this discussion on off air some other time to learn more from you. I'm sure our listeners did pick up a lot from that also. Yes, and make sure and like us on Facebook, Beyond the Business, or on Twitter, BTBCHS. Eric, any final thoughts? Have a great weekend, Charleston. Thanks for tuning in. And stay tuned for your game plan for retirement here on WSCFM. You've invested countless hours and dollars building your business. You can now actually begin to see the fruits of your labor. But did you know that according to Business News Daily that more than 60% of small business owners planning to leave their business in the next 10 years don't have an exit strategy? Hi, it's Rick Durkee of the Coastal Financial Planning Group. Let me ask you, have you planned your personal financial future wellness as well as that of your business? Have you established a succession plan for your business? Have you developed a plan for your perpetual legacy? Join me for a free discovery workshop to develop the best strategy for your business. BEST Business Exit Strategy Timetable. Call now and I'll send you an invitation by email to learn how to develop your business exit strategy timetable. Call 843-735-5065. That's 843-735-5065 for this free discovery workshop on how to develop your business exit strategy timetable. 843-735-5065. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. If you're a successful business leader or entrepreneur and would like to be featured on a future program, send an email to rick at cfpgroup.biz. Listen in next Saturday morning at 8.30 for Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. 